Welcome to Common Sense Leadership Podcast with your host, Dr. L.D. Bennett. Common Sense Leadership is an influencer podcast that will make you think, laugh, and act. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to subscribe and tell a friend to also listen and subscribe. Now, let's join our host, Dr. L.D. Bennett. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. I am super stoked, super, super stoked uh, to come to you today. And I am excited uh, not only about our theme for October and November, but I'm excited about why we're doing what we're doing at this particular time. I am excited because intentional purpose speaks to all of us, all of us. We seem to be moving so fast, doing so many things in our personal life, in our professional life. This is an opportunity I believe in, in the October with the October and the November podcast, I believe it's an opportunity for us to kind of take a step back, look at things and then kind of regroup mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. Where am I and where do I need to be? I'm hearing from a lot of people. I'm hearing from people when I'm traveling and, and when I'm, I'm conducting programs, even with my executive coaching clients, what I'm hearing from people is this. Well, you know what, LD, I don't really know if this is where I need to be right now, or this is where I need to be going forward. I don't know if I want to be in this relationship. Don't really know if I want this particular job because it involves so much traveling. I've spent time with my kids and uh, during the disruption, and I want that to continue. And so as I talk to people, and I really do a lot of listening, I say to them, what you need to do is sometimes sit back and listen to the voice of reason and the voice of wisdom. And that's why today I'm excited to bring to you uh, a conversation that I had with three of my best friends and three of the leading, to, as far as I'm concerned, leading thought leaders uh, in, this, in this HR talent development space. Uh, I have as my guest today, uh, Karen McClendon, who is the chief HR officer, CHRO at Paychex. I also have Carolyn Stenneth, who is all, who is uh, the VP for human resources at Victolic, which is a global manufacturing organization. And I also have my good friend, hey, you know, I had to have a thorn among the roses. I have my good friend, Randon McShepard, who is uh, also a VP for HR and talent. And he is also a VP uh, for community affairs for RPM International Incorporated. These three individuals, they are right there on the cusp of really understanding what needs to happen next, not only for their organizations, but for the people in those organizations. How do we help you thrive? How do we help you survive? And how do we help you be purposeful intentionally purposeful about your next step in an organization. I'm a part of a lot of things and I hear from people that are saying, well, I, you know, after being at my company for 20 years, my position has, has been eliminated. So I've got great severance. This is an opportunity for me to think about what's next. These three individuals, these professionals talk to you in very plain language and they're very straightforward about the kinds of things you should be thinking about 
and the kinds of positions you should be putting yourself in. And they give you a lot of tips around that. So I am super excited uh, to bring this conversation back to you. We are looking at something very special as we change and shift our podcast as we go into December and the new year. We'll be telling you more about that later. Take some notes from this podcast because guys, this is a great opportunity to kind of take some notes, mental notes to say, you know what? That's something I have not considered. That's a position that I, I really would like to be in. How do I go about that and how do I address that? These three folks uh, will tell you, give you some great, great advice, great wisdom and great uh, professional expertise with these three folks. I'm excited, hope you are too. Listen, go out there after you listen, you know, or listen to it in your car, Go out there and make it a great Friday and have a great weekend. Looking forward to seeing you the next time. Enjoy. Thanks. So coming out of this, the disruption and looking a little bit farther on, I thought no better guess than to bring on three of my big brained friends uh, that do a lot of work in HR and in talent development. And so today, I like I said, I got the brain trust with me today. So today, my first guest is Randy McShepard, and Randy is VP of HR and Public Affairs and also Talent Development at RPM Inc. Randy, welcome. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Wonderful. And my second guest is Carolyn Stenneth. And you know, her name kind of sounds like mine a little bit. So I think we're cousins somewhere down the line. And Carolyn is VP for HR at Victaulic. And Victaulic is a global manufacturing company. And I've done some work with them through the Center for Creative Leadership and just fall in love with Carolyn. So Carolyn, welcome. Thank you, LD. I appreciate being here and I uh, appreciate being you a part of, uh, having you as a part of the family. Absolutely. Absolutely. I tell you we're cousins, guys. And my final guest today is my good friend, Karen McClendon. And Karen has been on a couple of times with us. She is Chief HR. She is CHRO at Paychecks. And I am so, so happy to see my friend again. So Karen, welcome. Thank you so much, LD. It's a pleasure to be here and I'm enjoying our thinking about the conversation today. It's going to be exciting. So thank you. I know, I know, right? So guys, let's come together. And I like, guys, I'm gonna step off and I'm gonna ask these folks just a couple of questions. But the main thing I want them to do now is I want them to just reintroduce themselves, tell you a little bit more about their positions and their expertise. These guys have been working in this area, these areas for quite some time. And I also want them to talk to you a little bit about their mission, how they see their position with their companies as they deal with talent and talent development. So Randy, why don't you start us off? All right, well, hello again, everyone. My name is Randell McShepard. I am the Chief Talent Officer and Vice President of Public Affairs for RPM International Incorporated, which is a global chemical coatings company. We're a Fortune 500 company. Uh, and I uh, have been here for 21 years. I've been working in the talent space for probably the last uh, eight or nine years, and I uh, find it quite exciting and interesting. I think that my mission, when I think about my daily work, is to help our company, and we're, we, we're a holding company, so we own 80 companies. And uh, throughout those companies, we need to always uh, identify and track and then expand the capacity or strengthen the skill set 
of our workforce so that we can maintain a robust pipeline of uh, emerging leaders to keep our company moving in the right direction. Uh, so it's a tall order, but it's something I enjoy very much. And um, we've had some pretty good successes of late. Thanks a lot, Randy. And, you know, I work with Randy again through the Center for Creative Leadership and have just been super impressed with RPM. They're a well-kept secret. Didn't know that all that was going on in Medina, Ohio. So thanks, Randy. All right, Carolyn, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing and your mission, how you see your mission at Victaulic. So thanks again, uh, LD. I've been with Victaulic for six years, going on seven. It'll actually be seven years in, uh, in April. And I came to this work uh, in, uh, I think, a non-traditional uh, way. I was uh, always on the business side, first as uh, an attorney and then in operations. And coming to Victaulic, I've been in uh, the HR role for the last uh, seven years now. And really for me, I think I see my mission as really allowing our employees to bring their best selves to work in order to continue to increase shareholder value. Victaulic uh, has a long legacy, over a hundred years old. It's a privately held organization, and we have a global footprint. And so, for us to move into uh, the next hundred years, it really is going to depend on our employees. And I know we will get into it uh, much more during this conversation uh, and the shifts we're seeing in our our work workforce and how to help our employees uh, continue to manage through these very volatile uh, times. So I'm really seeing my role, the role of my team is helping to elevate and amplify our employees' uh, voices. Wow. Guys, I just can't wait for them to unpack some of the stuff they're talking about. Karen, how about telling us a little bit more about you and how you see your mission at Paychex? Thank you, LD. Uh, you know what? I think um, I'll start with the fact that I've been with Paychex now as their chief human resource officer for just about a year. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about uh, being able to celebrate one year of uh, being engaged with Paychex. But I come to Paychex with a great deal of uh, prior experience, as you know. In our previous discussions, I've spent uh, quite a few years with Comcast, almost 20. Um, also spent some time with Aramark and with Exelon. And so have a depth of experience from a human resource perspective. And when I think about my role as a chief human resource officer, um, I have to already kind of reiterate what's been said by Randy and Caroline, because I think they said it beautifully. It is really trying to manage our human capital, understanding what our needs are today, anticipating what our needs will, will be in the future, and really trying to leverage the employee experience to ensure that we have a, a really positive and great customer experience and create the shareholder value, but the value of the employee and their journey with us as an organization. Oh, wonderful, guys. And, and thank you for that, because now I'm going to ask that difficult question. So uh, this is for all three of you guys, and I'm going to ask you to kind of go in order, Randy, Carolyn, and then and then Karen. It's when you think about the last two years of a disruption, I'm using squiggly fingers, uh, of this disruption, how do you see the state of work right now? How do you see the state of work? How do you describe it? And what gives you 
as a talent development person, an HR person, what gives you pause when you think about the state of work? Randy, why don't you take a stab at that first and then Carolyn and then Karen. Sure. Um, I guess the one word that came to mind when I uh, think about that question is evolving. I think um, the other shoe hasn't necessarily dropped yet. Um, a lot of us in corporate America are learning as we go. Um, things have been quite unstable. And uh, I, I was just reading and saying last night that there might be another variant, you know, so it's just been very um, hard to sort of nail down exactly what the future holds. But we are evolving. Uh, we're all figuring out new ways of going about addressing um, the challenges that are before us. And um, I think we're learning valuable lessons, but there certainly are miles to travel before we sleep. We're not declaring victory or anything like that uh, anytime soon. Uh, what, what gives me pause are, are a few things, LD. Uh, the mindset of workers as a result of uh, long-term virtual uh, working options, I think, um, is something that I, I uh, stay up at night and, and, and wrestle with. I think on one hand, we might be more efficient, but I wonder how effective we'll be in the long run as a result of uh, the virtual uh, working experience. Um, also, uh, we know there's a lot of uh, data out there that speaks to mental health and uh, where people are. Um, everyone's dealing with, you know, the, the changing environment at home as a result of uh, working from home. So um, how does that play out? How has it played out over the last couple of years? You know, uh, something to, to think about. And uh, related to that, uh, a term that my uh, colleagues, uh, Carolyn and Karen, I'm sure uh, have heard and talked about the whole issue of psychological safety. Um, you know, for us here at RPM, we give a lot of credit to our plant workers who were frontline workers when everyone else was working from home. And um, so on one hand, they were sort of considered the, the heroes of the day. But now that uh, some folks are coming back, um, some folks don't want to be here. Um, there, might, there has been some concern about how the, the two sides of the aisle, so to speak, are looking at each other, how comfortable people are being back in the workforce, uh, back in the workplace, I should say. Um, so just ensuring that people are comfortable, that we're being mindful of uh, meeting people where they are and the importance of that. Um, so th those kinds of things, just um, the day-to-day -day sort of um, flow of work and um, how, how workers interface is something that uh, gives me some pause. We have to continue to wrestle with that. Wow. That's great. Carolyn, please. Well, you know, uh, I, um, you know, echo uh, a lot of what uh, Randy uh, has said. For for me, you know, this really, and I, as as well as Karen and Randy, has has been a challenging time. But I will say this: it is not necessarily new. The pandemic amplified so many of the trends that we're seeing now. Before the pandemic, we definitely saw the desire for employees to have much more flexibility of when, where, and how they do their work. Obviously, I am speaking of the, uh, the, the salaried workforce uh, and not the production workers. I'll come back to that. But if we stay with the salaried workforce, I will say this is really an opportunity for employers to hit the reset button, to really be able to stop and look at the employees as individual and not as this monolith 
workforce because the leverage has shifted. No other time in uh, recent memory has the employee, the job seeker, had the leverage, right? We have a very tight workforce. We have uh, uh, individuals, because of technology, can work where and uh, when. We have wage escalation. And so for employers to really retain uh, employees, they're going to have to listen and understand what our employees are really asking for. On top of that, and we've all seen it with the great resignation uh, and the fluidity of uh, movement, no longer is there a stigma with how long or how quickly people move. Um, people are, are showing their displeasure uh, with um, you know, moving and leaving organizations. With that, we also have to understand uh, the labor force projections, right? This is definitely a time where the labor participation rate is continuing to fall, uh, where the number of workers between age 20 and 24 are, are decreasing. And so what does that mean as a, uh, as a result? For me, it is employers really focusing on uh, the needs of the employees, their, their, their well-being, um, making sure they have a voice, they have an opportunity for career growth and development. So what gives me pause? Actually, I like to look at it as what are the opportunities? And this is really an opportunity for HR, for those in talent management, for employee engagement, for us all in this profession to shine and help our business leaders, help our um, managers really understand and, and, and listen to employees because they've been saying it. They've been saying it for quite a while, but the dynamics really now have shifted and uh, the leverage is uh, with, uh, with the worker. And just going back to production workers, our hourly workforce, they also have the leverage. Absolutely, with the wage escalation that's going on right now, uh, for us in manufacturing, we've got to give them a compelling reason to be here. Otherwise, they can go to a McDonald's, they can go to an Amazon and uh, do uh, much less demanding work. Some could say more interesting work for far better pay. So that has also giving us, given us an opportunity to rethink benefits, to rethink work conditions. Uh, to really just rethink how we engage. So I'm looking at this as an opportunity. And uh, we'll, I'll, as you can tell, I got a lot to say, but I'm going to pause and I'm going to send it over to uh, Karen. Go ahead, Karen. Uh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Carolyn. Uh, you know what? And I, I don't want to repeat anything that Carolyn and Randy have already stated because I think they stated it so well. Um, I will say when I think about our current um, um, kind of workforce and the needs of the workforce, I do think evolving is a great word because uh, I don't think we've in any way settled on what we will be. And I think it's going to be a great, great deal of time before we do settle in that in that space. But to add to what they've already said, I do think that it is um, um, the way I think about moving forward from a from a what's needed. What gives me pause is you know our ability to be agile as employers and do recognize uh, those differences in a way that really resonate with the very limited amount of talent that we have available to us. And I know we've all heard about the fact that this is the first time that we've had 
five generations of uh, workers in the workforce um, at the same time, all kind of having different needs with regard to what resonates to, with them, you know, from a benefits perspective to how they're motivated to how do you manage them from a performance perspective to, you know, what they expect in general out of their jobs and their employers. And we've got to be able to uh, be nimble and really agile with, with regard to being able to respond that to, to that in a way that really makes them comfortable and happy working with our respective organizations. And so I think there's a lot we have to do uh, to maybe reskill or upskill some folks with the on, onslaught of the need for technology to uh, being able to um, move our jobs in a way, again, that help us to be profitable, um, but to really leverage our human capital in a way that folks find you to be an attractive employer um, and not just to kind of come there for a moment in time, but to really um, feel like they're able to make a difference, able to contribute, that their voice definitely matters. Um, and whether or not we realize it or not, you know, we're going to need to continue to kind of change and evolve as employers. And so when I think about what gives me pause is, you know, how we're doing that, how quickly we're doing that um, in a way that really helps the organization and more importantly, the employee to be uh, to be successful. Wow. Guys, didn't I tell you I have the brain trust with me today and more is to come. So Karen, let me just jump right back to you. When you think about uh, the upwardly mobile worker, that worker that's ready to, they're in an organization, they're ready to go, they're ready to do more, and they're ready to achieve more. What characteristics or skills do you think, think that upwardly mobile employee needs to have in order to succeed in this current environment? Karen. thing that I look for is those that are really focused on innovation. Because, uh, you know, I, I'm interested in those individuals who really kind of look at the organization or the task or kind of what what's ahead of us with a different lens um, that challenges us and that allows us to grow and change and pivot as a result of that. Um, I really look for those individuals who operate really well in ambiguity. Um, if there was ever a time of high ambiguity, it is definitely now where we just don't know. Um, there's so much that's so much more that's not known than is known. And so, you know, for the individuals who are asking for you to kind of paint out the black and white picture for them, it's a lot more difficult to respond to that. You want to be able to, but I need those individuals who really kind of want to be at the table and understand that we just don't have all the answers, but part of the journey is helping us to get those answers. Um, and I, I really also look for those individuals who have an interest um, and are motivated by change. And they can be agile based on where we need to pivot and how quickly we might need to, to pivot. So all of those are characteristics that I, that I look for. Um, you know, are you really interested in your own continuous journey from a learning perspective? Because we all will have to change our skills and we'll all need to kind of work in a different way, particularly when you think about how much digitation is really, you know, having an impact on what we do and how we do and how quickly we can get things done in the most efficient, effective and impactful way. So those are skills that I normally look for individuals um, to have, um, along with your ability to kind of self-assess and understand that, um, you know, as good as 
as we think we are, there's always an opportunity for us to improve. And so, you know, I want those individuals who are looking at themselves along with the company to say, what can we do better? How can we do that better? And are not satisfied just with status quo. Mm. Okay, wonderful. So, so, so Carolyn, I want you to take a little bit deeper dive into something, some of the things that, that Karen said, what skills do you, Carolyn, think uh, will separate women of color in this marketplace? And I, I do emphasize women of color because all of us are working with not just African-American women, but we're working with Asian-American women, women from different backgrounds and cultures. What do you think are some of the skills, Carolyn, that will separate uh, women of color from the pack so that they can stand out and excel in this current workforce? That's a great question, uh, LD. And I think really having that growth mindset, uh, really having the ability to, to look not just in the here and now, but where we're going, where they wanna go, how to help the organization move, uh, move for, forward is really going to set, and I would say not just women of color, but any employee uh, set them apart. Intellectual curiosity. You know, it's not just about um, checking the box or just doing what is in front of you, but really probing uh, much, much deeper and understanding how can I continue to add value to the organization. And that really takes a curiosity to think outside of what your role is today, because that may change and there may be opportunities well outside what you're doing uh, today. So really staying on, uh, on top of uh, what's happening by continuing to ask questions to be curious about what's going on, not only within the company, but outside the company. Uh, that with environments that within the environment the company is is operating in, and I will also say adaptability. Karen touched on that a bit with regards to being able to to manage uh, change, to be able to operate uh, in the gray, as I uh, call it. I think that is so incredibly important because what you're doing today may not be what you're doing next year, definitely not what you're gonna be doing three, four, five years from now. We won't know what that is and how do you make sure you're ready uh, for that? And so one, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll stop there, but I, I think those uh, will bode well for anyone, not just women of, of color, but just any uh, employee that sets you apart. Don't come to work to just dial it in to check the box. You've got to continue to think 10 paces out. Um, and uh, like I uh, tell so many people here, really understand where you want to go, where the companies is going. And when you are aligned, I think that's when you're the most successful uh, in the organization. Mm -hmm. If Thank I may, so uh, in, in, go ahead, please, please, go ahead, Randy. I just want to interject one one other uh, characteristic that I think the three of the women on this uh, uh, call uh, exude is confidence. Uh, I think women of color have to have confidence, and uh, it's displayed so well with all of you today. But uh, you know, as you all understand, you can't be timid 
when you step in those roles, you have to own it. And I think you all are great examples of that. Just wanted to add that point. You know what, Randy, I'm glad you said that because uh, I, I do want to ask another question, kind of piggyback uh, on something uh, Karen and Carolyn said, because I want to expand that. The reason I asked the question about women of color is because I'm hearing from so many employers. I'm hearing from people that are calling me, wanting me to coach different people, saying there is something else they need to do. Yes, they can do the job. They're competent. But what else can we help them to do to prepare them for that next level? And ladies, gentlemen, if you can talk to us a little bit more about if I'm an employee in, in, a, in a company, in your company, and, I've, and you see something in me, I see something in me, but everybody's moving at like a thousand miles per hour. What do I need to do to say, hey, I think I can take on more. What do I need to do to be seen, to be heard, to get that stretch opportunity? So I will say exactly that, LD. Raise your hand. Do not be shy. As Randy said, you know, take that confidence uh, and just just put voice to it. This is what I want to do. This is where I see my uh, career going. This is what I believe I can add to the organization. And, you know, be prepared to, as a woman of color, sometimes having people say, well, maybe not now. But going back and asking, well, what specifically do I need to do? So you really do need to, one, raise your hand, be persistent, and get clarity about what it is that you need to work on. And I hate to say this, but there are some times where what you want to do, where you see yourself, doesn't align with the organization and have the courage of your conviction and belief in yourself and maybe Find another organization that can actually um, provide you with that, that role, that position, that opportunity, the compensation that you feel you're, you're worth. I tell women all the time, know your value, know your worth. And Caroline, Karen? if I if I can just build on what you've said too, um, I'm sorry, I said Caroline. I meant Caroline. Caroline, um, uh, I I think you're 100% right about kind of knowing yourself. That is so important. I I think you know sometimes we are just looking at our own perception of ourselves, and like Randy said, you know, confidence is so important. And so I don't say that you don't need to do that. I just think you need to balance that with the perception that others may have. Of you as well and you know try to get people to understand what it is that you'd like to do where it is that you'd like to go um, make that make sure that's understood but make sure you also understand their perceptions because a lot of times we have areas of opportunity that we just don't see or understand right so you know find those individuals whose opinion and perspective you value and you trust um, and make sure you are hearing the really complimentary things but also make sure that you're pulling out those areas of opportunity because that is where we grow the best and the most um, and that's where you can stretch the longest. And once you keep, you know, kind of working on those areas of opportunity, you know, you just raise your level of value in terms of the organization that you're in, the position that you're in, and how others see you because they know that you're on this, this journey of self-improvement. And I think that is so critical. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you guys talked about something. Karen, you, <clears throat> excuse me, you talked about this uh, the last time you were on is that, you know, really asking for the feedback. I'm going to, I'm going to post something to you guys and you guys tell me how it resonates with you. <clears throat> I am coaching two 
uh, white males, older white males, and their company called me and asked me to coach them. So uh, we started out doing great, great guys, just really connected. And one of the guys said, even after the company's period, <clears throat> excuse me, that time was up, we continued working together. And one of the challenges both of them had was giving women of color that tough feedback, mm -hmm. giving them the feedback that was going to help them develop. And so what I said to them is you have to establish a relationship, I'm not talking about a friendship, but a working mm -hmm. relationship so that when you are sharing, when you need to share developmental feedback, people can receive it. Uh, you know, just saying you're doing a good job. Keep, keep going, keep doing what you're doing. Doesn't help me. I need right. that feedback. That's going to help me reach the places that you guys were talking about that I don't see that I'm not as good public speaking as I think I should be mm -hmm. giving me that feedback. So guys, what would you say to managers? And I know you guys run into managers that find themselves in this predicament quite a bit. And especially with the backdrop of George Floyd, the Me Too movement, a lot of men say, I'm not touching that. But you're doing that employee a disservice. So guys, say a little something about that. Or am I like totally off? <laughs> Well, let me just say, uh, as a person who's been married to uh, an African-American woman for 23 years, it's a skill set I'm still working on every day. Uh, <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the easiest thing to do. But um, I, uh, I think it's an excellent question. And um, a, a couple of things come to mind. I think um, maybe both uh, Carolyn and Karen alluded to this, but uh, you should try to establish that relationship where you can be open and honest and candid and um, not that you have to be best friends with your coworkers, but there should be some friendly type of relationship where you can be candid and, and open. Uh, and then uh, being transparent. I mean, I think it's, it's, I've certainly had many conversations in recent months uh, with my white counterparts about how challenging it is to have these conversations and just to say, Hey, um, I, I don't want to offend. Um, you know, there, there's um, a lot of tension out there in the workplace right now about how people are, uh, you know, communicated with, spoken to, and I don't want to make a misstep. So, you know, might uh, we establish some ground rules and, you know, uh, make sure that anything I'm saying is coming from a sincere place and I don't want to offend and, you know, th those kinds of things, I think, uh, put maybe a, a, a woman of color at ease to maybe open up and uh, be more uh, willing to listen to what that person has to say versus them just sort of coming out, out of the, the blue with uh, some random comment that offends. And then, of course, you have a problem that might take a long time to uh, mend. Yes, Randy, I, you know, I'll add to that. I think that is great advice. I think establishing that relationship is really important and just giving people permission to mm -hmm. uh, to share with you really, you know, kind of targeted, very specific feedback. And of course, how we react to that feedback will um, ensure whether or not they will continue to do it, whether or not they feel safe doing it, or whether or not they're less likely to do it um, based on your reaction. So, you know, one of the things I always do is to say, I, I do not want you to just tell me the, the good things. And I, I will do this a lot when I'm doing public speaking. I will find, you know, good, uh, five or six people in the audience and say to them, hey, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to critique me and I need you to give me opportunities for improvement. Do not just come back and tell me everything that I did well. That does not help me. I'm trying to get better. And so I'm really counting on you to give me that feedback. And then I thank them. 
um, after they give me that feedback. And then I also go back and say, hey, here's how I actioned the feedback that you gave to me. Um, so LD, I just will tell them this really quick, uh, quick story of um, how LD and I did our first podcast together. And I was just so proud. You know, I was telling everybody, I told my my family members, you know, previous colleagues and friends, and I'm like, hey, look at me. I was on this podcast, listen to it, blah, blah, blah. And so I did, uh, I talked to a previous president uh, that I worked for and I, I sent it to him too. And I said, hey, I need your feedback. And you know, the first thing he did was just compliment LD. She was like the best in the world, loved her energy and everything she had to say. But he said, but you, you were boring. And I was like, what? What, I'm boring? What, me? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, yeah, I have no idea what you said. I was not really listening to what you said because you didn't tell it in a way that really resonated with me. You know, you you, you got to start telling stories. You got to still build, you know, something around what you're saying so that it does resonate with people. And so I have not forgotten that. It was really, really good feedback. It hurt. It really hurt when he told me that. I was like, how can you? How dare you tell me that? Everybody else is telling me how wonderful it is. But it was the most helpful feedback that I received. And that was just a few months ago, right? So you just have to make it a safe place. And you have to thank people and you have to encourage them to continue to give you feedback. And I wouldn't say that's just a peanut butter approach to everybody. It has to be with people who really, <laughs> whose opinions really matter. Um, people whose opinions, you know, are really in your best interest. Um, and you have to make sure that people tell you those areas of opportunity, not just a good thing. Thank you for joining Common Sense Leadership Podcast with your host, Dr. L.D. Bennett. Visit our website, commonsenseleadership.org for more details. See you next week.